The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. 44th gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 13th of March. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure your birthday hats are affixed and noisemakers are at the ready while you are gathered at the meeting table. Glenn, as of tomorrow, Adventure Party turns one year old. Holy crap. I know. (laughs) We've been doing this for a year as of tomorrow. So, (laughs) and, uh, you know, thanks to uh, the folks that have been listening, the show's been growing and uh, couldn't do it without you folks. So thank you very much for, for joining us on this grand adventure. Uh, Speaking of celebrations, uh, Glenn and I celebrated Freaksmas this weekend. Now, you're probably asking, what the hell is Freaksmas? Okay, there's a little explanation, and this has this is a universal thing, and, and you'll you'll see what's going on here in just a second. Now, Glenn and I are a part of a group of friends who we affectionately have always who have always been called the Freaks. Now, they're a wonderful group of people, and this sort of started out when uh, a group of them were in college, and because everybody went home for Christmas, they wanted to celebrate their own sort of Christmas together and play games and shoot the breeze and, and have a good time. Now... I couldn't give you the exact year this started. My first one that I attended was in 1997. So were I to hazard a guess, probably started in 94, 95. And, you know, uh, Gretchen and whomever could could chime in and, and possibly give a, a, a better date than that. <clears throat> and... <Yes. laughs> And over the years, of course, it is now 2016. Over the years, we have done our best to have a time where we could all kind of gather together and just celebrate our friendship and play games and just kind of generally hang out. Now, as we've gotten older, we've all moved further away. We've all had, well, a, a number of us have had children. And it gets a little harder for everybody to get together. But when we do, it's a very kind of special occasion. 
And because Glenn is a part of the group, <laughs> we get to play some of the more interesting and esoteric games uh, that that I've had the opportunity to to experience. And and this weekend was no different. Uh, everybody got together starting uh, yesterday, the twelfth, uh, the Saturday, and it continued on until. Uh, gosh, I didn't get home till about nine o'clock this evening on the 13th. So uh, we've been, everybody had been kind of swapping out of games and playing stuff. And uh, to make a long story short. Too late. No. Yeah, well, pretty, pretty much. Uh, not going to lie. But pretty much it's, it's kind of, in, you guys that listen to this enjoy games. And Basically, what we're trying to say is we tried to make an event out of trying to get everybody together over the years to celebrate our friendship, celebrate our joy of games together, remember all the fun that we've had together over the years and continue to have together over the years. And it's it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to get together and, and play friendly, competitive games. So... That's what we wanted to talk about a little bit is that and probably try not to do too much inside stuff because you're probably not going to be interested in that. But what Glenn and I wanted to do is kind of review and talk about some of the games that we had the opportunity to play this weekend. And there were a lot played. And I think with the exception for one game that I played this weekend, I had not played these other games before. So it was a great time. Now that I'm done blathering on here at the front here, uh, Glenn, who you heard uh, pipe up here and there, uh, he is my co-host and he is a movie reviewer on the YouTube show, The B-Movie Bunker and the creator of the RPG Mist Runner. And you safely returned back to your home in Milwaukee. Uh, earlier than earlier than anticipated. Yes, unfortunately, I have to work tomorrow. So, <laughs> ah, the joys of management. I hear you. That is true. Yeah. Joy, 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 <laughs> down in my heart. <laughs> no, you, you, Glenn was incredibly bummed to to have to uh, leave a, a bit earlier than anticipated. Our, our our thought was Glenn might be able to actually join me in the Nerditor the Nerditorium studio and uh, we'd do the show like for the first time together in the same space, but uh, fate was working against us this weekend, so that did not come to pass. That said, we were still able to do a show, and that's why we're here. So, Glenn, you have, you have a one of your regular reviews, this is going to be like an extended review show, but we have our regular review that Glenn does, and he is going to talk to us about Nuns on the Run. I'm already That intrigued. is correct. <laughs> Nuns on the Run from Mayfair Games, uh, made by Frederick Moyerson. Uh, it is two-day players, runs about 45 minutes. I would actually say that I think the optimal number of players is that Five to six range, seven. I mean, eight's fine. Anything less than five, it really loses. I think a lot of the, a lot of what makes the game kind of special. But you can play with fewer. I'm not going to tell you how to play your games, even if you are wrong. 
And uh, for those of you who are watching us on YouTube, uh, we use BoardGameGeek.com to show you images of the games, and I'm about to switch over to that now so that you can see what Glenn is talking about while he's talking about it. So, uh, sorry to interrupt. Continue on, Glenn. That's quite all right. Um, in this game, you will take on, uh, most of you will take on the roles of novitius in training, uh, basically nuns to be. Um one or two players, depending on how big a game you're doing, will take on the rules of the abbess and the prioress. Uh, the novitiates, their job is to find a secret objective. Each of them has a different objective. It might be you have to go find some love letters, or you might have to find a book on the dark arts. Of course, you're not supposed to be out of your cells at night, so you're trying to sneak around doing this without the abbess and the prioress finding you. Um, however, because they know that young people are idiots and don't obey rules, they're, they're already out patrolling the halls. Um, on your turn, or actually everyone has a turn together, you're going to, you don't have a token of yourselves on the board unless you're the abs, the prioress. Everyone else has a piece of paper where they're marking down where they're going to end their turn or what space, because the, the, the board is made up into all, the, all different numbered spaces. So you'd say, I am ending up on this letter, this number. So this is where I'm going to end up. Um, you can move by either sneaking, walking, or running, or you can just stand still. The faster you move, the more noise you may generate. Uh, and if you generate enough noise, the absent priors might hear you. Now, generally, uh, the absent priors have paths they have to follow. They're on a patrol path. They might be patrolling to the kitchen or to the cloister, and they're following a path. And they cannot leave that path unless one of two things happen. If they see a novitiate, meaning basically if they cross paths where they have line of sight to where someone is standing, or if a novitiate crosses their path and is seen, or if they hear a noise, then they can go off and chase these, these young girls who need to be punished and punished badly. Um, what this game relies on, though, it, don't play this with anyone who you think is a cheater because you have to be very honest in this game. When the Abyss Friars are moving, if they can see you, you have to say, oh, you can see me. And you then take your token and put it on the board so they know where you are because they can now see you. If they land on top of you, they basically catch you, you have to, you get reprimanded, and then you have to go back to your cell, at least until as long as they can still see you. Once you're out of sight again, you can go off and do your various shenanigans. Um, as I said, you're trying to find your little secret objectives. All these things are kept under lock and key. So first thing you have to do is you have to get catch your key. Once you have your key, you can go get your item and they have to get your item back to your cell. If the abbess and prioress catch you after you have your item, your item goes back to where you got it. And there's also a built-in round limit. If if uh, the novitiates, if one of them is not won by a specific time, the abbess and prioress players win. If the abbess and prioress player catches you. Uh, catches someone equal to the number of players in the game. So you're playing a six-player game and six pe people get caught, the abbess and the prioress win. Um, if one negotiate makes it back to their cell, that individual player wins. So I like it's It's kind of – you've played Scotland Yard Bread, right? I have not. Oh, you have not? Oh, no. man. That's, I, so that's definitely on my list of games. To uh, but it's, it's a bit like that, but played a little bit backwards. Uh, or – for lack of a better term, it is kind of like hide-and-go-seek the board game. 
Okay. Um, so I just I think it's it's a nifty way. It's a nifty game because you really have to plot out how you're going to move each turn because do I take the risk of running this turn and get caught or sometimes you can uh, hope that someone else will get caught instead of you. You know, they, they attract the attention and you can sneak around the backside. Like I did the last game where I just ran the whole time because I was always one step ahead of at least one other player. So someone else would always be seen before I was. So I could just keep just out of range and I managed to go all the way around the board and get back in time. Um, it's just, it's a fun game because of the fact that you have this competition with other players, um, especially if, if you're the, if you're the nuns in training in this competition, but a lot of times you have no idea how good someone else is doing. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Because you can't see them either unless the Amazon priors see them. The last time I played, I won. And right when I announced I had won, uh, my friend Marla goes, no, because she was one step outside of her salad. <laughs> so she would have won the very next turn if I had won. So it's that thing is you never know quite. It's, it's when you get late in the game, you keep thinking to yourself, someone's going to beat me to it. I, I've got two turns to get to my – two more turns. I'm at my cell. And you're thinking, nope, someone's going to beat me. Someone's going to beat me. So it's it's really cool because of that that level of competition without knowing exactly how well you're doing. <laughs> I yeah this this looks like it would be a lot of fun and yeah you're right it, you need to make sure you're playing with people you know are not cheaters. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as we're flipping through, um, here we go. I've been showing people the board, but then here's also the novice log sheet that you get where you, you know, it lists your turn, your end space, and the movements that you are going to take during your turn. Yep. So this, wow. This does, I, I, I definitely want to do this game. Uh, how long does a game typically last? Uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. And you know, depending on depending on our players, kind of, because everyone's plotting their moves at the same time, more players doesn't really slow it down that much. Sure, sure. Um, so, which is a nice thing. Sometimes you add more and more players, the game gets slower and slower and slower as everyone takes their individual turns. But as long as you keep people on track as far as plotting their moves, it goes along pretty quickly. Okay. <clears throat> and about what does this retail for? $35. Holy crap. That is well within the price range that we've been talking about over the course of this past year. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, 35 bucks is is an excellent price for, for a game of this nature. So it... Uh, suggested ages is it looks like 10 and up yeah um i would it, it it can be a little tricky knowing when you are or are not in sight mm -hmm. okay so that can throw off some younger players who who get a little confused by that oh sure okay okay so the game that glenn reviewed this week is nuns on the run and that is from Mayfair 
Games. I'm not used to hearing that name so often anymore. That's mm-hmm. true. They they uh they have gone away a little bit. Um, they don't do as much. I mean, I shouldn't say they're, they've gone away. They're still a big company. They still do plenty of games. I mean, Settlers of Catan is pretty darn big. Oh, sure, yeah. No, I'm just thinking, you know, back in my day in the 90s, uh, you know, Mayfair was was a lot of uh, RPG to me. Mayfair? Well, uh, at least DC. The DC oh, game okay. Okay. Was, was big in my radar. So, all right. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and they have, I mean, sold off. Catan uh, uh, is pretty much now part of Asmodee. Yep. So there's all, you know, things things have changed a lot over, over I mean, just yeah, several companies just gobbling up a lot of other ones, which in some ways is good, some ways is less good, but... Yeah, I, especially if a company may not have been marketing something the best or yes. taken uh, as much advantage as they can of all the different avenues there are for marketing and trying to expand awareness of the game. So uh, sometimes it's best if it's uh, passed on to somebody who can make sure that that game that you love uh, remains in print. So. We're going to talk next about Patreon. (laughs) Basically, all we're looking to do at this point is just keep the lights on. We're about to make a move with our audio hosting. We've been doing some more research. SoundCloud looks like we were thinking about moving our audio hosting to SoundCloud. And then we saw some news about things not being so good business-wise for SoundCloud, and we decided to rethink that. And now we're looking at moving to Amazon. And, uh, you know, that that switch, that that cost is going to be incurred. Why are we doing that? Uh, For a couple of reasons. Uh, There's some bandwidth throttling that can happen with what we're currently doing. Uh, we want to make sure that folks that listen to us on mobile platforms, and there are a lot, get the best access to the audio files that that are possible. And we're actually going to start reducing our file size just a little bit, dropping down the audio quality from, like, see, I think that, like, CD quality is, like, 196 K, or no, 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 uh, it doesn't matter. It's slightly under CD quality, which for a spoken word type book, you can get down to like 32 kbps. So it's still three times as good as most audiobooks that you listen to. So we're still keeping the quality there. Uh, but again, that move <clears throat> that we're looking to make is going to cost us a little bit. So we're just looking for help from you, the listeners, to help us you know, keep things running and allow us to make changes and to, yeah, we've been growing too. And uh, that has required us to, to make some changes as to how we do things. So you can support us at uh, $1 a month or $3 a month, $5 a month. Patreon lets you pick what amount you'd like to support 
Galactic Netcasts at. If you do a $3 a month support, uh, you can get a monthly newsletter that has news stories from each of the different podcasts. If you do a $5 a month, you get an extra episode of each of our podcasts, and that's only uh, available to our, our, patron, uh, our patrons, our backers. So if you go to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts, uh, you can support us at whatever level uh, you are able to. Uh, our spotlight this week. Last time uh, we, had, we had Nick Bentley on, and he was talking about evolution climate, and that's what we, what we highlighted this time around. Or last time, sorry. They were looking at $20,000 as their goal. They, at this point, with nine days to go, they're at 207803 So, Nick, Squeaking by. Yeah. <laughs> Nick and the North Star team have uh, gotten over 10 times the amount that they were looking to do. So this is definitely going to happen. Uh, there are some stretch goals that they've uh, obviously hit. Uh, new client, a better climate card, or not better, but uh, cold snap heat wave cards, uh, trait cards. They added claws, desertification. I like that word. Oversized scenario card, the Cretaceous period, which <coughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, better quality cardboard, four volcanic eruption event cards. And like Nick was saying, they got a an artist that paints nature in watercolor. So all of these cards that are being done are absolutely beautiful quality, um, high quality work <clears throat> and well worth, well worth backing. And like I said, they've got nine days to go. This is definitely happening. And if you jump in, try to scroll up here real quickly. If you jump in at the, Oh, come on. Uh, at the $55 level, you get the standalone game, which gives you everything that you need to play. <clears throat> Evolution, which was the original game, and now the expanded Evolution Climate. So $55, well within, you know, we keep talking about, you know, 7580 is, you know, one of the, the higher ends to getting some really great games. Uh, this is well within that range. So, and this is coming out in August. So things are pretty much wrapped up and ready to go. It just needs to get to the printer. A couple of things finalized, uh, especially with these additions to some of their stretch goals. And it's, it's happening. So, all right. But you have a new game for us which I, I like the title of. What is it? It's Lil Cthulhu. <laughs> you cannot win. You can only hope to survive. It is a two to five player card game uh, where you each play different cultists of Lord Cthulhu. <laughs> and he has tasked you with this very important task to care for his offspring, Lil Cthulhu. Um, in order to care for him, you must, uh, you're drawing cards. It's going to push your luck mechanism where you can keep pushing your luck to draw more and more cards to get the items you want. But if you push your luck too far, 
Lil Cthulhu will throw a tantrum when a tantrum card pops up, which can cause you to lose sanity. It can cause lots of you to lose sanity. It also makes you lose all the cards, cards you have currently drawn. You are trying to collect specific toys for Lil Cthulhu, which come in two parts. If you want to win, you have to collect all the toys he wants. You can also collect bad toys to help bring, get back some of the sanity you have lost. Um, it just seems like a, a nifty little idea for a game. Um, and the company that's doing this is um, it's D Evolution Studios, uh, which I think we've talked about. I've talked about once before. I don't know if it was on here or not. Um, they have a game called Gravefall, and I talked. Uh, I was I was talking with a friend of mine about that one. So never mind. I think it was Roland Coons and I were talking about that one. Oh, if I okay. remember right. Sure. But um, they've done some other uh, what you would call it Kickstarters. Because that's what we're talking about. Um, they've they've first one they've created, but they've they're been on Kickstarter a while. They've backed other projects, um, and this is their first Kickstarter that they are doing themselves. Um, it looks pretty nifty as far as uh, 25 bucks gets you a copy of the game. Um, if you back, you get $25 at the cultist level, shipping anywhere in the world. Um, and SP delivery is November of this year. You can go up a little higher, uh, $35. You get a copy of the game. You also get a special holiday booster pad with 20 cards ranging from St. Patrick's Day to Christmas and everything in between. At 55, you have the Apostle Cultist. You shall go forth and spread the message of the masses. Gets you two copies of the game and two holiday packs. Um, at level 200, you have chosen to spread the word of Cthulhu to the world as the Merchant Cultist. Getting you 10 copies of the game and 10 holiday booster packs. So if you have lots of friends that you want to get this in on, you can jump in with it. I didn't tell you about what they were asking for, though. They're asking for $23,800. They currently have $15,959 with 18 days to go. Um, so they're, I think they're in a pretty good position at the moment to get uh, what they want. Uh, of course, because they have not hit their goal yet, they don't have any stretch goals unlocked. They have one at $30,000 where, pardon me, small Belgi, at uh, $30,000, is that you look like a person that will do what it takes to win, and they will add four Kickstarter-exclusive dark toys to make backstabbing easier. Because, of <laughs> course, you want to be the cultist who survives, not the other ones. So you can backstab away in this game. Um, it just looks nifty. It's two to five players. They say 20 to 30 minutes, and just six and up, which I would expect for a game about the offspring of the Lord of Insanity and tentacle-faced, devouring Cthulhu and his little baby, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I, yeah, for as much as I enjoy the mythos <clears throat> of Cthulhu, this sounds like a fun, quick pickup type game. Not overly mentally taxing, like Shadows Over Camelot, which... Uh, we'll talk about in a little bit <laughs> but no it, it looks like a, a lot of fun and i'm i didn't have a case of the poor right now i would definitely be backing it <laughs> uh, my uh um what was it 
uh, oh god now my brain uh sentinels of the multiverse uh just uh, finished up and i that was that was a little bit more than i normally spent <laughs> so i'm gonna have to take a brief moratorium on kickstarter all right well now we're going to slide into our discussion where we're going to be talking about uh, gaming with friends, taking time to gather and play games that you enjoy or get to experience. And you know, one of the 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 great blessings in my life is Glenn works for a game store, so he more often than not brings a game that you've never seen before and you get to experience really cool games that you might not have even thought that you would enjoy playing. You looked at the box maybe and you went, well, I don't know. Uh, but then you get this type of an opportunity and, and you realize that maybe your your scope of the games that you think you like is a lot smaller than it actually is. Uh, yeah, like it, we'll talk about uh, Mysterium, which is a game that we talked about here and Glenn brought with him this weekend. So I got to actually play Mysterium. And it's one thing to have Glenn or I talk about a game, but it's another thing to actually get to experience the game. And the great thing about Mysterium We'll we'll give like a we'll give like a little rundown of some of the games that that we that we played. I'm going to start with Mysterium, and Mysterium is a game that we talked about. I can't remember the episode that we talked about it in. It was a while ago. Yeah, and in Mysterium, all of you that are are playing, the majority of you are playing mediums and one person is playing the ghost and the ghost has amnesia. So in the setup of the game, the ghost uh, gathers cards and sets up what he, you know, a a person, a place and an item that uh, he may have been or she may have been killed with. And unfortunately, in the two games that we played, we never got to the end and had a, like a full resolution. We just flat out lost. This is a cooperative game. So everybody has to succeed or nobody succeeds, <laughs> which you know, really adds a, a level of complexity. And then the ghost is limited. The person who plays the ghost is limited by the cards that they draw to give each of these cards has art on it and that art needs to represent their way of communicating a person, place, or thing. And you have to start first and you have to do this in order. You start with the person after you successfully guess which person that ghost is trying to communicate to you. Then you get to move on to the place. And then after that, you get to move to the thing. And you have seven turns to accomplish this. So you have luck of the draw on the cards working kind of against you as playing the ghost. Now, how many cards do you get? Seven? Is that what the ghost? The ghost gets seven cards. Okay. 
So within those seven cards, they have to figure out how they're going to communicate the thing to you within the seven cards that they have. And they have three crows in which they can use. You use a crow, you can ditch your hand as the ghost and draw a whole new hand of seven cards. The two people that played the ghost really <sighs> agonized over the fact that they were trying to communicate things, handing people up up to three cards. They could do it in one card. They could hand you up to three cards to try to communicate this thing or person or place. And, you know, if they got a crappy draw, they still have to give you at least a card. They have to give you something. And in some cases that can kind of work against you because now you, you're collecting these cards, trying to guess, and you're trying to find the pattern to what they're trying to tell you. It could be maybe consistent colors in the cards that they give you. It could be consistent objects that are in these cards that are being given to you. Settings that the artwork uh, depicts in the background. It kind of boils down to you as a player and the person who's playing the ghost trying to get into each other's head and figure out what they're trying to communicate. Yep. Uh, and that's uh, that's really tough. And I think, you know, you mentioned it because the majority of the times that you said you played, you're the ghost. And the two yeah. people that we played with this weekend who played the ghost all said consistently watching somebody talk themselves out of their correct gut response and picking something completely different, just taught, going through the process of watching. And you have to have a poker face, so you can't go, or anything like that, because, of course, that gives away, you know, that's that's cheating. <laughs> so it's really painful to just watch somebody talk themselves out of the correct answer. And uh, fill us in on the last part, because we, we never accomplished actually getting to the end of the game, what is the eventual end game on Mysterium? Well, the end game is once you once once every medium has their own set of person, place, and thing. Only one of those is actually the correct person, place, or thing. So the ghost that has one final bit of clues, they can give out one final set, and depending how well each medium did uh, in the previous rounds, we'll see determine if they see one, two, or three of the cards for the final clue. However, you don't know which clue pertains to the person, which pertains to the thing, and which pertains to the place. So, uh, it's really hard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, uh, but it's, oh, the artwork is so, because of the concept of the game, you're a medium. And if you have done any type of reading of like the occultism of the 20s and 30s and people talking about as a medium you know you see pictures and that's how you know the the dead communicate and seeing the the paintings that they have done for each of these cards you know we talk about um, evolution climate and how they had these beautifully watercolored cards for the game yeah, they did that for Mysterium. So you have these, in some cases, pretty surreal-looking cards 
like there was uh what was one of the cards a it was like a ship uh, like a almost a paper looking boat on water and there was a bathtub sort of floating kind of hovering over the water and now you if you get that card you need to determine okay is the message they're trying to give me focus on the bathtub on the boat on the water <sighs> And, you know, uh, so you, like I said before, you have to read into what they're telling you uh, or trying to, to communicate to you. And there is no, the ghost cannot do any table talking. There is no other outside communication other than those cards being handed to you. So it is agonizing <laughs> to try to suss out what it is. And like, I, and I did say that the ghost can't talk. The only way that they can every at the end of every round when everybody has made their guess based on their cards by placing their own colored sort of crystal ball setup on the card that they think is the correct answer, the person playing the ghost gives you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if you get a thumbs down, you the next round, you are still on that same person, place, or thing. You're stuck there until you guess your particular person, place, or thing. And the number of cards that you guess from on each tier goes up. So when you start with the people, there's, you know, depending on the number of players, what is it, one plus or two plus the number of players at the table? You need at least two because you need someone to be the ghost and at least one person to be a medium. Yep. So, but then once you get to the places, that is much more than that. And when you get to the items, it's much more than that. So at each level, it gets increasingly more difficult because you have more choices for each person, place, thing. So, but again, well worth playing. Uh, a very fun game. Everybody had a good time. I, I can't think of a person that went, ugh, I'd never play that again. Um, so, yeah, Mysterium. Excellent game, and thank you for bringing that. Absolutely, man. I like playing good games, and I like sharing good games with people that will appreciate them. Yep, absolutely. And that's what... <laughs> that's the meaning of Freaksmas, isn't it? Pretty much. <laughs> so, you know, I, we talk about I'm our own person. Much. Well, there is that, too. Uh but, you know, that's kind of universal. Yeah, we're, we're saying Freaksmas is this is the name that we have given our particular gathering event. You can create your own traditions if you want to or whatever, but just having that, taking the time to just sit down with all your friends that appreciate games and just sitting down and, and playing and not really having necessarily a plan is, is really, really nice. And that's that's what we accomplished this weekend. So, anyways, what game do you want to bring up that you played this um, week? Well, I gotta think here. Well, let's talk about one that I've never talked about on the show before: Star Trek Five Year Mission. Oh, you took mine. All right, I'll go ahead. Um, so, if you don't know what Star Trek is, I I can't help you. Um, <laughs> if you've never heard of it, yeah. But um, this game is you take on uh, roles of either members of the crew from the original Star Trek or the next generation. Um, you Each person has a card with specific stats, or not stats, but uh, special ability. Um, for example, 
Scotty can change the color of a die because he's the engineer and he can make cool things happen. Um, Kurt can reroll uh, all the dice of one color. Uh, Bones can obviously heal someone who is injured because you can take injuries. Each turn, uh, each time on your turn, you're going to have to draw an alert card. There are three levels, blue, yellow, and red, obviously going from blue being the easiest missions or difficulties to deal with up to the uh, red, which are the hardest. In order to solve these, you have dice. Uh, everyone roll, you can roll up to five dice on your turn, provided you aren't injured, because every injury you take, you lose a die. Um, you roll those dice, you have to match numbers to the different cards uh, to complete them. So some, it's simply a matter of this one needs a two and this one and a four, or a, maybe a blue five and a blue six. Some are a little more complex in that you have to play all the dice in specific uh, ways. So you might have to play all these dice at one time, which can get kind of tricky um, when you need to, to roll the specific dice you want. You don't always have to fill up a whole mission uh, every time you roll the dice, but getting them done faster is better because if you fail three missions, you lose the game. And there's really no way to completely win uh, as far as, like, you know, you're not going to – eventually you're going to reach a point where you're just simply going to fail that third mission. It's going to happen. The goal is you're trying to get as many point successes, because some cards give you points, as you can before you hit that third success. And the more you get, the better you do. If you get all the way up to 20, you are an admiral. We managed to get as far as commander today, getting 16, which was better than a Mr. Wheaton did on tabletop. <laughs> Not saying we're better than him. But we had a very we, good – we had a – We were better this one time, at least that we know of, because I'm sure he's probably played the game more than just that one time. Yeah. And I have, as I have learned from just following him, pretty much his best occurrences happen off camera because he's cursed in that way. Yeah. <laughs> we, and just as kind of a follow-up, that was at the point where Glenn got the information, like we wrapped up the game. He had to go back to Milwaukee. We played another round. Oh, and we flipped over all of our cards. So we went from classic Trek to next gen. We got up to 32. What? Yes. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the, it, it was like, you know, the fuller the crew, uh, it seemed like the better, the better we did, you know? That that first game that you were in, obviously we we did incredibly well. But that second game, we were just unstoppable juggernauts. We had great roles. Uh, people were using their special abilities to their to their uh, their fullest capacity, and we we whipped some serious ass that second game. So I would yeah. say so. And uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting mechanic and all of the special powers that each of the, the characters can have uh, it, when wielded properly are, are fairly powerful. I had the opportunity when I played, I played Spock and Spock allowed you to, oh shoot, now I, oh. Spock allowed you to uh, take a, oh yeah, that's right. Take a die from a event that you have successfully solved 
and move that die over to another card that is still uh, in play. And the uh, when you flip that card over, you get Riker, and Riker allows you to... Or no, that was Riker's power. Spock's was you get to re-roll. Or that was Riker. One of them. One of them, you could take that die and put that die on another open card. And the other one, you could roll a die of the whatever die you wanted. Yeah, it was, well, now I'm talking in circles. I can't fully remember, obviously. So maybe I'll edit that part out post. <laughs> I do the audio <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the common, common, common mantra. Fix it in post. Uh, yeah. Anyways, everybody has one special power, like Glenn said, and if you are smart and wield it properly, and everybody's kind of firing on all cylinders and communicating who has what, who is available to do what, and how they can help, that's great. And occasionally you will run into a card where communications is down. So that means there's no table talk. So that can make things a little difficult because now you have to keep an eye on what everybody, remember what everybody's power is and <clears throat> nobody's going to be able to give you reminders on things. So um, yeah, a great, great game. I, I definitely, <laughs> definitely want to own that. Um, how much does that retail for? Do you? Uh, Five-year mission. Let me take a look, because I know we carry it at my store. I want to say it's in that thirty-ish. That is not how you spell five. <laughs> Thirty-seven. Okay. No, it is a great die game. A dice game that I couldn't recommend enough. I enjoyed the heck out of that. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, and yes, there's a tremendous amount of luck involved with it because there are, you are rolling a lot of dice, but I just, I like the theme and I like the way that they played the theme into the game. Yep. And when you play next generation and if you get Wesley Crusher, Oh God. His special ability is if you, if everybody at the table shouts, shut up, Wesley, uh, he can roll up to two, re-roll up to two dice. <laughs> uh, right. which, which saved our bacon uh, a, a couple of times when we were playing that second, that second round. And it's, yeah, it's a very fun game. I couldn't recommend it enough. Okay, uh, you know, one of the other games that uh, I got to play, I've played it before, but every time I've played it, we've lost. <laughs> and this time, we actually won. Uh, and this game is called Shadows Over Camelot. And it's obviously, we're talking about Shadows, uh, I'm sorry, we're talking about Camelot. It is uh, based on Arthurian legend. It sounds really kind of pretentious, but it's not, trust me. Uh, I am pulling this up on Board Game Geek so that folks that are checking us out on YouTube can see what the game looks like. 
There we go. I want to find a good picture that shows an overview of... Okay, here's a general overview of the board. This is the, the main part of the board. Now, we have the round table, and the round table is where all of <clears throat> the knights and Arthur can go back to its kind of home base. Also, the, the round table is where you lay down uh, either white swords or black swords. And white swords are successes uh, for the side of Arthur and the knights. Any black swords put up, which would be like quest failures, we'll talk about that in a second, uh, that is marked as a black sword, which obviously counts against you. Now, the quests that are available, Lancelot's armor, which uh, would allow you to fight the dragon. I have yet to play a game where anybody has gone, oh, I'll fight the dragon. That's never happened. I've done it. <laughs> Somebody goes as far as to get the armor, and then that's, that's that. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the Arthurian legend, so we have the Grail. There's a quest for the Holy Grail. And the third quest that you have is for Excalibur. So each of these quests can be either done like the Grail quest, the Sword quest, Excalibur, can be done by multiple players. This, the Armor quest can only be done by one person. Now, how is this done? Everybody gets, they start with, <clears throat> excuse me, six cards in their hand. And there are fight cards which are numbered. So you, in some cases, you're looking for pairs of numbers. So if you got a pair of fives, in some cases, you, you solve a quest by either getting a series of cards, one through five, or if you're doing um, the... Uh, the armor quest, you're looking for pairs or three of a kind to win. And your, your number on your cards needs to um, beat the number of the, the total accumulation of numbers on the uh, opposing sides cards. Now, the one thing that we haven't told you about is there's the possibility that somebody at the table is a traitor and is actively working against the knights of the round table. So before you start the game, everybody gets a shot to pull a card out of a deck and that determines if you are loyal or if you are a traitor. Now the traitor needs to subtly find ways to defeat the successes of quests, or uh, there are three other uh, invasions that happen, the Saxons, the Picts, and there are siege engines that can attack Camelot. The siege engines, uh, if you get enough of them, you, you lose the game. Um, I can't remember how many there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... Uh, I think it's 12, 12 if I remember, yep. right? 12, up to 12 siege engines. Now, to defeat them, you take a pair of cards, and like I said, each each card, each fight card is numbered 1 through 5. So if you have a, say, a, 
uh, a three and a four in your hand, that totals seven, you get a D8 and you need to roll, uh, what did I say? I said seven, you need to roll six or lower to defeat that siege engine. So you want to be keeping an eye on, because every turn you take, you need to take a turn for the dark side and you need to take a turn for uh, the side of Arthur and the Knights. So if you're the trader, you want to be trying to stack the deck against the um, the side that's trying to actually the good the good guys as it were, and trying to be subtle about it because there is a mechanic in there where if folks you can take a turn and go you're the trader, and if you're wrong that gives a that takes a success that has been marked on the the round table and turns it into a failure. So you need to be very sure about who you accuse. Yes. Um, and just because somebody was a traitor in a previous game does not mean you automatically accuse them immediately the very next time you play. Yes. Because that's how you lose white swords. Yeah. And it's, like I said, I've played this game. This would be my third or fourth time playing, and this is the first time that we've won. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, now, I mean... I know why people, in a way, don't trust me because the first time we played it, I was not only the traitor, I had the Grail and Excalibur. <laughs> but oh, it cost uh, them a lot of points at the end of the game. Yeah. Because they're like, we want them. Like, no, sorry, you didn't. Because all these swords you thought were white are actually black because I'm the bad <laughs> guy and I have all your cool stuff. Sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> now we talked about the siege engines, the Saxon and the picks, um, you know, to defeat the siege engines, you need to use a pair of cards and you need to roll underneath that total. Uh, the Saxons and the picks, you need to uh, fight those in. We did not do well with fighting them. Uh, <laughs> the picks overran us uh, in that game once. I, I took out the Saxons. Now to take them out, you need to put in a <clears throat> basically a straight, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and that wipes out all of the Saxons or the picks, depending on who you take on. So, um, when it comes to getting Excalibur, again, you can have multiple knights on that quest, and what you can do is you you basically throw cards essentially into the lake and pull the sword closer to you so you can grab it from the lady in the lake. Now there are cards that can be played. Like I said, the dark side gets a turn first. So there are cards that either can add a Saxon, add a pick, add a siege engine, move the grail further away from you, metaphorically speaking, uh, move the move Excalibur literally further away from you. So it's kind of a back and forth until you get it all the way to your side of, of the lake. Uh, the Grail is an interesting one in that you have Grail cards that you can lay down and every light side Grail, you need to fill up a track of, what is it, eight? I want to say it's... Uh, Gosh, I... if only I had a picture of the board. Hang on. <laughs> I'm trying to pull that up now. Uh, yeah, that's too far away. Let's try to find a better picture. 
too far away. There we go. Okay. So if you're checking us out on YouTube, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. So there's seven slots. You want to turn that track to all white grail cups. Uh, as you are drawing dark side cards, you can get uh, despair, desolation. You can get basically negative cups uh, that can. So it's kind of a back and forth. And uh, like I said, you can have multiple knights uh, throw good grail cards on there until you've covered all of them in white grail cards and then you uh, you acquire the grail. Now the grail, as I recall, if you use it, you can heal up to four life points. Everybody starts with four life points and life points become very important <laughs> during gameplay. Uh, they can buy you an extra action. Once per turn, you can spend a life point to get an extra action. Um, you can, when you take that evil action, you either add a siege engine, draw a dark side card, or you can spend a life to forego using a card. But again, you know, any three of those are costly at some point, um, especially when you get up to 11 siege engines and you haven't really taken any time to take any out. I mean, it, it gets ugly. It can get ugly very fast. So it, um, Thankfully, the game doesn't take too long to play, which I think I think we played for about an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I think that I think the first time that I played was probably one of the first times that anybody had ever played in our group, and I think that was about I want to say two two and a half hours that we played. <laughs> So uh, the first time playing it, I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to play this again. But uh, I gave it another try again, and, and it went uh, a lot faster. The nice thing about it is you get to kind of delve into the Arthurian legend. You can pull like a Morgan Le Fay card. You can pull uh, Guinevere and have it count against you, whatever. There are good things that can happen in the game, obviously, and bad that work against you. And if you have read the Arthurian uh, stories, uh, it, it's very, uh, it lends itself very well to, to those tales. So um, it's a, it's a fun game. Uh, the board is, uh, if you're looking at YouTube right now, the board, the artwork on the board and the cards is, is quite beautiful. Um, of course, I just clicked to an image and somebody has a Lego tower in why why did you do that to me? Board Game Geek. Why not? Uh no, that's not what I want. I'm trying to get back to there we go. Somebody in these somebody has taken the time to paint uh the grail, the armor. Uh, Excalibur, and then the individual knight pieces. So this is, and the Saxons and the Picts. So <clears throat> this is a lot nicer than a standard game. If you're looking at the uh, YouTube right now, those pieces are all gray with a different colored base. So if you're a particular knight, you, you know, you're either have a red base, blue base, green base, whatever. And that's how you can tell right out of the box uh, who's who. So, uh, <sighs> 
yeah, a, a fun game. I would recommend playing it. And uh, yeah, once you get once if you have a trader in the game, which more often than not you will have, that's always interesting. If 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 you're playing with somebody who has no subtlety whatsoever, uh, that's one thing. But if you play with somebody who has uh, a fair amount of cunning, <laughs> you you might have that 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 aha moment of oh my god, I, I see the pattern now. <laughs> it's all so clear to me. Uh, and then you know if if you actually successfully guess that somebody is the traitor, then their card, their their descriptor, and their I think their even their abilities change when they're flipped over and shown as the traitor. So. Um, no, all in all, it's a very uh, fun. When game. they're the, officially the traitor, they can. Uh, it it changes the way the progression of evil goes. Okay, okay. Because I think I have yet to play a game. I've it, the people that I've played with have told me, "Oh yeah, we exposed the traitor." I have yet to be in a game where somebody has actually exposed the traitor. So, all right, what? Uh, what what's a game that uh, we're gonna just do one more? What what's um, are your last game? Well, you know, I think we've just been talking a lot about cooperative games in general, and I think that's just a great thing to stay on that topic. And uh, Dead of Winter. Okay, yeah. Um, so, Dead of Winter uh, is actually still fairly a newer game. It came out just a little over a year ago. Um, it's zombie survival, and I know some people will immediately go, "Oh." More zombies. Yay. <laughs> that's what we need is more zombies. However, this is actually a zombie game that's done well. Um, done very, very well, actually. Um, so the players, the, the, you get to actually choose how long of a game you want to play. Do you want to play a short game, a medium game, or a long game? So you can set uh, kind of a time limit into how much time you want to devote to a game, which you don't have that in many games. You can actually decide how long of a game you want. So that's kind of nifty. But also what makes this game cool is you have uh, an overall goal you're trying to accomplish depending on the life of the game you're playing. So, for example, the one we played today was we had to um, build a whole bunch of barricades around our colony. And there's also other locations you can go get stuff at that are uh, where you get equipment like the grocery store, the police station, the hospital, stuff like that. Um, and you have to build barricades on these. So you start with a ton of zombies in the board that you have to kill off first. Now, everyone gets different survivors, and every survivor has different abilities. Um, for example, uh, you might have the, uh, I had, for example, the nurse, who when she searches at the hospital, gets to look at and take more cards than normal. Uh, the janitor uh, can clean up more mess, because if the colony gets too messy, you lose morale. There's a lot of things that can cause you to lose morale. You don't want to lose morale because if you lose all your morale, you lose the game. Um, you also have to collect goods because you need food to feed everybody at the colony. You'll also have a crisis every turn, which might say, oh, well, this turn we need to collect a whole bunch of fuel or we need a bunch of medicine and stuff like that. And if you don't get those, bad things happen, including losing morale or tons of zombies showing up. And as if all that's not hard enough already... Um, every time you move somewhere between locations because it's the middle of winter, you have to roll what's called the exposure die. It's a 12-sided die. Some of the faces are, bl are blank, so that's great if nothing happens. However, most of them aren't blank. Um, there's also ones that will give you just a straight-up wound. 
You can take three wounds before you die. There are ones that cause frostbite, which gives you a wound and gives you a, a wound every other turn that you have that on if you don't heal it. Or one side is the bite. A bite means you're dead um, because you've been bitten by a zombie. Now, you can do the honorable way out and kill yourself, as, which if you're at like a location with other people, is the smart thing to do. Because if you don't, you may very well spread that bite to the next person at the location you're at. And now they're going to die as well, and so on. Um, however, the game isn't hard enough yet because one of you might be a traitor. You don't know for sure, though, because aside from the main goal, everyone gets a secret goal as well. And generally when you play, you take, so if you're playing a four-player game, you would take four secret, or sorry, eight secret goals, two for each player, and you would take one betrayal goal. Shuffle those nine cards together and deal one to each player. Now, the odds are in your favor of there not being a traitor because... It's a lot less than what you put in there. However, because you don't know who the traitor is, or if there is one, everyone's paranoid about everyone else. So it leads to a whole mess of things, because when there's a crisis, you play cards with a crisis face down, saying, oh, we need to collect a bunch of medicine. I can help with that. Here's some medicine I'm putting in there, because I'm a great guy who wants to help out the team. But did you really? Because when the crisis is resolved, those cards are all shuffled and then revealed. So if someone threw something off in there that wasn't correct, we needed food. Who threw fuel in here? Well, great. We have a, we have a traitor in our midst. And sometimes people have secret goals that cause them to do things that make them seem like they're the traitor, but they're not because they're just trying to win the game in their own way. Um, I like these types of games where it's not just solely let's all just be happy and hold hands and help each other. I like those games too, but I like something a little different. It's hard to really get that paranoia done right. Um, and this one works so well because of the fact that you're not guaranteed a traitor. Yep. <laughs> and the fact that everyone has that secret goal they have to do, it just makes everything that much more complex because of that. Uh, it's just so much extra layers, so many extra layers that is added to the game, which is just phenomenal. So, um, and yeah, I mean, we played that today, and we kind of pegged who the traitor was, but he kept doing things that kind of made us think maybe he's not the traitor because he's doing all these nice, friendly, happy things for us, like healing people and giving his equipment. But... He was, and he lost because the rest of us won. Ha, Harry, take that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's a great little different uh, twist on the whole co-op game, um, and I like that. Um, I like the fact that we have something a little bit different than what we normally see from a cooperative game. Yeah, I was blown away by playing it. Oh gosh, probably about a month and a half, two months ago. And it, yeah, you're totally right. It's resource management. It's, there's a lot of layers to it that are really well done. 
you need yeah. to because so you get cards occasionally where you bring somebody back to your your hideout where you're all kind of keeping your your community and so that's another mouth to feed and you need to be constantly making sure you have enough food enough fuel enough medicine enough everything and you have to make runs out to to make that happen and you can occasionally do something that draws a zombie to an area uh, I can't remember if it's moving too fast or what is it that. No. Um, so whenever you move to a location, if, if you're there at the end of the turn, so if you're like at the gas station at the end of a turn or at the school, one zombie's attracted to that location for every person there. Okay. Always, if there's someone there. You also can, while searching, if you don't find something you want when you search, mm-hmm. you can do what's called making noise. Oh, yes, that's meaning right. Meaning you get to look at more cards. However, Every time you make noise, there's an increased chance that you're going to attract zombies. Yep. Uh, because you then have to roll a die at the end of the turn. Anything that is a one, two, or three is bringing more zombies to the party. Yeah, and it can get it can get brutal, for sure. Oh yeah. And what's really cool is if you if you do get those particular characters that are especially good in a particular environment, like you know the police station or the school. If you've got the principal, <laughs> uh, if you get the or oh, what was it? The there's like a a bully or a troublemaker, and if you get her at the school, she can kill an extra zombie or something like that. It just it, there's some interesting. Uh, bonus skills that these characters have. Uh, it yeah. doesn't take too long to set up the board. No, not really. Um, and it's it's a really good time. And I know, I'm fairly certain that they put out an expansion for Crossroads already, didn't they? Or are no, they in the process of it? It's in the process. It's, oh, okay. It's, okay. Was just just announced like a week or two ago. Okay. I mean, there's been there's been some promo stuff, but this is the first actual expansion. Gotcha. So people are pretty jazzed about it. And they've they've won some serious uh, nominations for, for this game. It's it's a very, very good game. I yeah, it is. I couldn't recommend it enough. And are you kidding me? They have a... <laughs> they had a Felicia Day expansion card uh, for yes. International Tabletop Day in 2015. <laughs> That's awesome. What's that like to be her? That's got to be got to be interesting. Anyways, enough of that. Uh, you know, like I said before, it's really great to be able to get a group of people together and and play some games. And yeah. you know, I was talking to. It was funny earlier today. I got a message from a friend of mine that said. Uh, how does two-player Catan work? I got some rules, and I just wasn't sure if anybody had ever played it before because I don't have, like, three friends in this particular area at this time. And I'm like, oh. If you've moved away from your friends or, you know, or you just moved to an area where you don't have any friends, you, you kind of take that for granted until you can build up a new group of friends. And taking that time to, like we do, uh, we try to do it every year. It doesn't always happen, but but we try. And taking that time to just reconnect with everybody and 
you know, getting a full group of people to play a game is, is wonderful. It's great to be able to BS at the table and, you know, catch up with people and have fun. And I mean, I'm probably preaching to the choir if you're listening to this, but sometimes you take that for granted and life's too short. It's way too short. So take that time and play games with your friends or your family or whomever. Uh, it's well worth it. It's time well spent. Time well spent. And it's something that you, you'll appreciate on the cold days <laughs> or the days that are really awful. And you go, well, at least I had fun that particular day. And those days will come again. So take that time and, and appreciate it um, because it is truly magical. Truly magical. We're going to move on to Hello, My Name Is, and we might be moving away from Hello, My Name Is. Um, you know, we really haven't had a whole lot of submissions, so I'm thinking if we don't get any for our next meeting, I think it's, I think it's a signal. I think it's a sign that, uh, that uh, it's an idea that we, we probably need to shelve and uh, maybe try to fill it with something else later on. Um, but uh, if you do, if you are interested, uh, you can go to gncasts.com slash adventure and click the image off to the right-hand side that says, hello, my name is, and fill out a little bit of information about a character that you've played that you enjoy, the game system that that character is a part of, and why that character is so cool. If you do that, uh, if you've been to our uh, Facebook group, every time that I get one, I do post the uh, certificate of appreciation, essentially, uh, that I shoot back to you as a PDF that uh, is high quality. And you can, you know, if you get a laser laser uh, printout of it, uh, it looks, looks pretty good. And you can frame it if you so desire. So that's our little thank you for you taking the time to share with, uh, share with us the games that you play, that you like and why you like them so much. So uh, we did get some feedback uh, this past week from uh, Mihoshika, uh, who we've heard from before. And I think in the last meeting, I, I mentioned that <laughs> at a certain point, I'm like, ah, you're probably tired of hearing my voice. And uh, that was very kind of you to say, uh, never tired of hearing you talk. And uh, we, we enjoy talking. Uh, and we enjoy talking about the games that we think that uh, you should know about and that we've played and share that information with you so that you can enjoy new things and uh, check out games that maybe you wouldn't necessarily play, but uh, you, you really should give a shot. So, all right. Uh, you can find out more about our meetings, our show notes uh, for each of those meetings and contact information and subscription links. Whew by going to gncasts.com slash adventure. Uh, you can find and follow us on Twitter, or you can join our Facebook group, which we are very active on. All you need to do is go to Facebook and do a search term for Galactic Netcasts group. And you can also, if you go to gncasts.com, find all of our social media outlets. We do, we do a lot. We even do Google+. Plus. So... There you go. You can find all that by going to gncasts.com 
Uh, you can find our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash galactic netcasts, all one word. And there you can find the video versions of all of our adventure party meetings. Like I said, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you're not seeing everything. Well, obviously, because you're listening to it. But if you go to the YouTube version, you can see images of the games that we're talking about uh, while we're talking about them uh, to get a little bit more uh, view of, of what the game's about, what it looks like, and uh, illustrations as to you know what the heck we're talking about at that moment in time. Uh, if you're using iTunes or Stitcher, uh, take a moment to give us a review and let us know what you think. Uh, your review, positive or negative, could help shape the adventure party and help make it better. Uh, you can leave us feedback by emailing adventure at gncasts.com. You can call and text us at 805-328-3966. And you can uh, let us know what you're, what you're thinking about. Uh, also, we do have a link on gncasts.com where you can click it and you can, if you have a microphone attached to your computer, leave us a voice message that uh, is uh, instantly emails an MP3 to us and we can play that back and talk about what you're thinking about. So, Glenn, I want to thank you for your kind gift as well. Mm -hmm. Glenn's an amazing person and I, I, I know I'm saying that to you while you're here and you know i think people need to hear all the good things that they do in life before they're dead <laughs> they don't get an opportunity to hear that they're appreciated and i do appreciate you a great deal glenn thank you brad i appreciate you too <laughs> uh glenn was very kind and he brought a gift to anessa and i uh he gave the firefly yahtzee uh to anessa and he gave me a copy of uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse Tactics or Sentinel Tactics. Uh, I'm big, big fan of the card game, and I had always been kind of interested in the the board game version of it. So uh, now I'll have the opportunity to play that. So thank you very much, Glenn. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you and what you do and uh, Mist Runner? Uh, you can find out more about me just on Facebook. Just follow me on there. Uh, also, Miss Run the RPG on Facebook, Beamly Bunker uh, on Facebook, or YouTube.com, Guy in a Bunker Productions, and the Beamly Bunker. Excellent. Uh, while we're talking about Guy in a Bunker Productions, any plans for an upcoming horror short? Maybe. Um, I'm actually. Uh, doing a bit of work helping out uh, for a new horror film festival that will be taking place in Oshkosh. It's replacing the old Oshkosh Horror Film Festival. Oh, what happened um, to that? Uh, the guy who ran it, Jan John uh, Pata, he just, it's a ton of work. If you didn't uh, realize how much yeah. work goes into an independent film festival, a small one, ton of work. And John wants to work on a movie, and he can't do both. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people who are just kind of, asshats in real life who uh mm. made the experience less pleasant for john so oh that sucks people wreck everything don't they they do people are <laughs> people are awful a person is great people can really suck um well you know and and i've had the opportunity to talk with john on uh, uh mark krawcheck's uh, movie man mark's podcast yes <sighs> and um 
oh my God, uh, Final Cut. <laughs> it's been like almost, oh my God, it's probably been about a almost a year since I've been on. Ah, that's terrible. I need to get back on there. Um, but uh, yeah, if you get a chance, check out uh, Mark Krawcheck, Movie Man Mark's podcast called The Final Cut, <clears throat> uh, where he, he does... Oh, that's no final cut is his movie review. Actually. Yes. Um, this was the spoiler room, the spoiler room. Thank you. Oh my God. I'm an awful human being. Please don't tell Mark. <laughs> Please internet. Don't do that. Uh, spoiler room uh, is the podcast that you should really check out. Well, you should check out his movie reviews too. Mark is a very interesting and uh, entertaining guy, uh, but spoiler room, you get the opportunity to hear from uh, not only Glenn who, uh, Everybody does a, a round table and Mark chooses the movie or movies, depending on the theme or just a particular movie that's come out that uh, really bears being talked about. Uh, it's, it's a fun time. You should check it out. Spoiler room. Um, and uh, you can find that at, oh gosh, movie man, Mark. Oh. Special Mark Productions. Special Mark Productions. Just do a search for Special Mark Productions and look for the spoiler room. Uh, it's it's a good time, and you get the, the point of view of uh, we've got uh, well, interesting enough. They get directors on there sometimes to to chime in. They've had uh, Tanya Atomic on, who's going to be directing uh, the Manos, uh, the Return of Manos, Hand of Fate. Yep. And uh, gosh, uh, John Pata has been on. Uh, yeah. Um, uh... Andrew Shearer, yep. um, who's done a bunch of his Gonzo films, are they're different and they're they're trashy and they're fun. Um, and uh, Cole Meredith, who's another Wisconsin filmmaker, um, he's been on there. Derek Carey, who's who's uh, done a lot of editing in, in film and done some film work with uh, another Wisconsin filmmaker, who did Hole in the Wall and Screaming in High Heels and Swamphead. So there's a lot of different uh, people that are kind of all part of this uh, giant conglomerate, I guess you could call it. <laughs> yep. And, you know, uh, Mark's also, because he's he's actually known in, in a number of circles, uh, he's had the opportunity to talk to uh, Catherine Mary Stewart from The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Um, and he's talked to other people, too, who have actually starred in some of the the cult films that uh, that you know and love. So... Uh, yeah, check it out. The spoiler room. You won't uh, you won't regret it. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, once again at the adventure party. Uh, may your characters never die, and your adventures always be epic. Thank you, and good night. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.